the con the doctrine of original sin is actually something that happens within each of us when we are when we self-realize like when we're two three years old and say mind right when we when we have that moment that that is that is the closest thing that I have under that I've come to to understanding that doctrine and it wasn't even myself right it was watching my kids do that of this complete interdependence that they had and then all of a sudden like that's my toy mom right? said that's you sinner toy. that's my food Exactly. And I was like, there's the fall. It's done. We're done. You know, <laughs> you no. but, that's, that's, that's when real parenting begins. That's right. the point. <laughs> Children yeah, right. in the hands of an angry mom. Welcome to episode 188 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint of fine wine, or of course, whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Brian Burkoff, Shannon Weston, and Ogan Holder address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And that brew might be in one of these Pub Theology pint glasses. I'm back home, so I got mine. Uh, if you want one of these at no charge at all, please donate $25 or more to nokidhungry.org. This is a national organization helping to feed hungry families needed more now than ever as we continue to struggle with the pandemic. So $25 or more directly to nokidhungry.org. Send us your proof of donation with your address and we will ship you one of these at no cost. And I think we still got a bunch left, right, Shannon, that we can get up there. So help feed some people, folk. So I'm sure it's great what you're saying. I'm on mute. You. I'm on I'm mute. We have Zoom <laughs> Zoom moments today, folks. I know, Zoom. right? This is what our fifth Zoom call of the day. Um, uh, so today we are talking about emotions, good theology versus bad theology. It's a battle of theologies, and doctrine of the non-self. Mm. Ryan's getting existential on us. Um, so we're gonna need some brew for that. <laughs> what are we drinking today, friends? Um, I'm thinking I might need to make this a two beer show like you. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really look at the questions before we came on here. <laughs> Doctrine of the non-self. Oh yeah, mm, that's a two beer mm -hmm. show. I have the path of victory from Mockery Brewing Company in Denver, Colorado. A robust porter with coconut vanilla beans and whiskey soaked oak. The path of victory. And it's a very macabre looking uh, can here. We got, we got, we got skeletons and nice we got some weird octopus skeleton path thing. to victory leaves everyone dead in our wake Everything apparently is devastated on the path to victory all right Very all good. right brian what are you drinking today well uh going with an old standby uh guinness wow yeah a guinness stout uh, it is almost march it's the uh, one that's nitrogenated for smoothness so What's the what's the March connection oh. to Guinness? What am I missing? St. Patty's. Uh, St. Patrick's oh. Day. <laughs> Sorry. Which like we record the day before, so we should have black and tans or something. I'm, yes. I'm not. Oh. I'm not part of the Black Irish, so I, I miss the black and tans because I only get them when I'm out at the Irish pubs. Yes, so. those are excellent. What do you got, Shane? 
So I am drinking Cisco Brewers from Nantucket because I am, man, I am needing a vacation. Um, this is called a Gray Lady Wheat Ale with spices and natural flavors. It's got a, a man-made on it. A man, man-made? Man, what's a man-mermaid? A merman? Male-made? A merman. Thank you. I knew it was something. <laughs> not a mailman. Um, not a mailman. Not a, you know, not a maid. A crisp, light, and unique wheat ale brewed with zesty fruit and spices. And I do have two because it's very low in alcohol and it kind of just, um, it's not bad, but it's the great, like, it's clearly made for like summer when right. it's very light. Let me put it that way. But um, it's what is in the fridge right now. So. I was going to say, you don't, you don't want to be in Nantucket now. That's, that's the, I don't want to be in Nantucket now. Right. I just am missing, I'm missing the idea of traveling and going places and etc no doubt so anyway so question this all-important question pudding pudding overrated underrated or get that away from me so we're not talking about like we're talking about like pudding like instant pudding like jello pudding we're not talking about like English puddings, right? That Ooh, I was well. gonna say because I just watched an episode of the Great British Bake Off and they had to make Yorkshire puddings. And I was right. like, I can like, get down with some puddings. I was gonna yes. say if we're talking about like Yorkshire pudding or whatever, like that's a whole nother conversation. We've yeah. been watching Nadia Bakes. Um oh I've heard about that. Oh, so good. Like it's so freaking wholesome. She's so wonderfully, beautifully wholesome. But anyway, she's made some pudding puddings on there. Some quick, pudding. quick segue. I've never been really into cooking shows at all. Like I, I just never understood the point, really. Um, but then when Joy was here over Thanksgiving, I was like, What do you want to watch? If, you know, she's like, Let's watch British baking shows. Like, really, she goes, Yes. yes. Those are good. Watching it. All of a sudden, I am are so I'm good. Hooked. I am I am sucked in. I am making my way through all of them. Yes. Uh, yeah. Netflix. I'm watching them in reverse order, um, which is always a fun show to see. Because yeah, yeah. you see how a show develops, and I'm seeing how it like kind of like de develop, underdevelop. <laughs> it's devolving. Devolving. <laughs> We're right? not good with words today. <laughs> but but like I, I still don't understand why, and I've been really being with this, like, and this almost more connects to the second question on emotion, but why does that show comfort me so, right? Yes. So yesterday I was having like a bad- Yeah, week. no, seriously, no. And I think and I think part of it is for a couple of reasons. One, the food, mm -hmm. like food is comfort and yep. especially bread. So for me, yep. you know, like bacon, I don't bake, but I grew up with a bakery in my family living next to the bakery so bakery food bread that's comfort but it's fascinating to watch these folks on these shows that's supposed to be competitors but they're doing all they can to help and support each other exactly yep. you know so there's that there's like the there's like the the almost full humility and self-deprecation of when they do well the the breakdown and when they don't do well and it's, it's very british in competition right so it's british. very like poke funs of, of things and like yeah. cheeky jokes and like yeah. double entendres and like I'm even like, who's who's gonna be the mean british judge oh wait they're all the mean british judge. right they're they're british they're all that way and they're all super sweet right like and at they're the all like time. at yeah. the same time and you're like they all want you to do well and i'm I love so Nadia um, uh, Hassan is one of the winners of the past British Breaking Show. She's got a couple of cooking shows on Netflix, and she like 
they're so colorful and she's so bright and you're, and it's the same thing, right? I'm watching these going, anyway, we're off topic because anyway, she made puddings. And but they man, how delicious. about that vanilla pudding? And we're she never made off topic on the show. <laughs> so <time>. no, <laughs> no, the fake pudding. No, I, I mean, pudding's easy, right? So like when the kids, you know, want, like in their lunches, they would get pudding in their lunches when, you know, we did such things like make lunches and go to school. Um, but that's really it for me. It was what never, about like pudding a, is a good chocolate mousse I like, but that to me is not. Yeah, no, I hear you there. And what about pudding as a, as like a donut filler, you know, like a. My kids like that. I don't like it. No, I like that. I can't say I've ever had that. You mean like, not, not like jelly, but. No, no, not like jelly. Boston cream like a or... yeah, like a Boston yeah, cream or a Bavarian cream donut. Oh, with not chocolate topping and vanilla in the middle. I love it. Or reverse. do you? No, that's not that. My, that's not my thing. Yeah, I you know I want the bread. I want the doughy yumminess. Yeah. That's why that... I could get behind a Yorkshire pudding because it's got bread. In it. <laughs> there you go. The thing I I missed most about living in North Carolina in Raleigh that we were a couple blocks from a Krispy Kreme donut. And when that light mm. came on, that, 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 the, that the glaze were just out of the oven and you can get a half fresh donuts, there was, there was nothing like it. Yeah. So there's this thing on Facebook, I reposted it, but the person I reposted it from, it was like, um, start a fight with five words. I saw and, that. <laughs> and the woman I posted it from put, Krispy Kreme donuts aren't good. And we were all like, <laughs> You know, like, like that is not okay. <laughs> so I don't know. I I think everyone to their own, but I it just has never been my thing. Was there some was there some like uh, serious put in discourse in the house there, Brian? Like I was gonna say, you know, what? I, I don't there even was. know where this one came from. Frankly, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> well, let's move on, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> Given that. So, I think we're done with this topic. <laughs> so what is an emotion? William James in 1884 said, a purely disembodied human emotion is a non-entity. Are people responsible for their emotions or do they just happen? How are emotions connected to moods? And can you choose your mood? Ooh. Mm. So I think the emotion is the, is, I think it starts in the physical, but it's, it's, it's the feelings that that uh, that are evoked when something happens, and that's mm -hmm. based on memory. It's based on history. It's based yeah. on belief. Based Chemicals. On a lot of things. That's why yeah. you have people have different, you know, emotional responses to the same trigger. We're not responsible for our emotions; they just happen. We're responsible for responding from those emotions, or not right. responding from those emotions. And so is emotions, a mood how we respond to emotions? So just about to say emotions, emotions lead to the mood. So, so for me, I, when I think of mood, I, yes, I think of, of the space that I am in as a result of the emotions that come up. Right. And yes, we can, we can choose to, we can choose to be in a certain mood to some extent. So I mentioned yesterday, it was a big grief heavy day. Uh, I, I, I had a weird dream about my friend who passed away a couple of months ago and then we hit 500,000 COVID deaths. So I was just in a funk yeah. and in a, in a mood that dictated by the end of the day, a few beers and a pizza. 
right? Because I was just, I just needed some comfort. I was like sort of in, in, a, in a funk, but at the same time, it was a day where I had to get a lot of stuff done, right? Right. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sit in the mood. The, the I didn't push away the emotion. I was in the sadness all day, still getting the stuff done. But then I reverted into a mood of what do you call it? Lethargy of 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 just like melancholy, in, you know melancholy yeah. like up to that point it was a good it was a good healthy eating day for me and by that point i just like you know what screw it <laughs> i i i want some i want some comfort pizza right now. so i think i think that's right i think that yes um now on the other because even if i think well sometimes i wake up in a mood yeah. I, I guess what i want to be able to say is that some it's not always a conscious decision that I'm responding, a mood is responding to emotions. Mm. So if I wake up in a mood, I'm either a, a dream I had, or I'm I'm already thinking about this long day of all these Zooms and I'm not gonna be able to see people, but it's not necessarily a conscious thought that said, this is how I'm going to respond, right? Like, but that is actually what's happening. But I, I wanna kind of step back too and say, and yet we can create a mood, right? Like. Yep. You can light a bunch of candles around your bedroom and put on a certain, you know, and you can create a mood, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that level too. But I think, I think this is, so I think it works both ways is I guess what I want to say is that you can also fake yourself into creating a space, right? Into going the opposite way. To evoke an emotion. To evoke an emotion. Yeah. So you and can go can, both ways. It can it. be tricky because moods can be powerful, right? Uh, of course. I, I won't disclose whether or not moody has ever been used to describe mm-hmm. me. But, you know, when you're in a mood, like sometimes <laughs> you do feel like like the mood has you rather than you having the mood. You know what I mean? Like it's driving the ship, not you. And it can be really yeah. hard to course correct. And isn't you it can, like even but... though you know it's happening and you can't yes. stop it? Yes. Like that's the worst. Yes. When you're like, I know I am being this way. And like, I still, it's still just pouring out. And oh, look, now it's 10 o'clock and we're about to go live on Facebook and lead worship. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> getting, some, now, getting some stuff off your chest there, Brian. <laughs> nope, this is all hypothetical. <laughs> well, I, you know what I think about last week when you were talking about the story of Christy and her her very contemplative song while mm. you're recording and you recorded the whole thing while you're yelling at the kids mm-hmm. and then like everybody shut up and then like this very quiet like music <laughs> you know and I I just it's that like we it, it can be piped in I guess is what I want to say right like we yeah. can you know uh but yeah I I've seen you in a mood it's interesting <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> No, it was, it was, you know what it was? We were talking about this before, but when you mentioned it, like it was at, I don't know if you remember this, Ogan, like the wild goose, it was a wild goose. And I remember it was before the show and Brian just went into perfectionist mode. You just did. And we were like, dude, have a couple beers (laughs) before we start. You you need, you need. Brian went into his. And there's uh... nothing wrong with it, but it was. Oh. Yep. But I, you what, might, but you might you do that before worship is what I'm trying to say. Like you might, that's what, yes. like, that's almost a preparation for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want you things know? to be It was to like you suddenly realized way. there are going to be a lot of people 
yeah, you gotta get in a, you had to get in a zone or something. Yeah, <laughs> I but I can you, be a I mean, little listen, bit like it. hyper self conscious, hyper perfectionist in those moments, and it's not mm-hmm. nice if you get in that's the way what of what I think should be happening. <laughs> that's that's what it was. Unfortunately, Oaken and I just a, don't care. Right. That's <laughs> why we put a couple bears in the way because we were like, "What is happening right now?" Perfect. We're like, "Whatever, it's fine." And then literally, the show ended, and you were like, "Where's the scotch?" Yeah, you're <laughs> like, a whole different person. And then Brian had like uh, too many and a bleeding toe, and yet was going to like to disco six and... bottles of scotch. Seriously. That was a great night, by the way. That, that was, was fun. so fun. It was fun to watch you. It is still one of my favorite photos ever oh, of yes. the one that you took in the beer and whatever tent. The oh my God. That is like, and I'm in my pajamas and like, I like, I'm so blurry because I'm laughing so hard. Oh my God. It was the best. That was, that was the best. Great, so, great but even that, so like, I'm sitting here talking about it and like, my mood has changed, right? Like I'm, I'm in a different place. Like yeah. even as we were talking through that, like, and I think that's the beauty of story as well. Yep. Like, um, you know, somebody's upset or somebody's whatever, and you you tell a story, and and it's not a bad distraction, right? It's a good. It's not. But here's here's a danger though, the mood can hijack us, and the emotions can hijack us. And uh, you know, there's this my as I've been reflecting on my last six years as I'm about to leave this ministry. Um, there's a quote that Maya Angelou says, where she says, people will forget what you say, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Right. Right. And I'm reflecting back and being objective and can realize that I said some, some things that were pretty straightforward and logical, but I delivered them in the way that made people feel not great. And, and it led to some of them being upset, angry, leaving the church Mm -hmm. and things like that. I, I can own that. Right. But but that's that's when we when we can't objectively uh, separate like this thing was said it triggered this emotion now I feel this way that's legit let me let me put that here and then also then like objectively and logically look uh, uh, break down what was said right yeah. it's hard to do that because we get swept up in the emotion swept up in the mood of of what was created of of what the emotions created. And then, and then we lose sight of what's actually being said. That's that's like what the human. That's a great human tragedy, right? Right. <laughs> that we that we can't do that work, and that's that's what that's what the mindfulness practice is all about. To notice when that happens and go, look, I'm being hijacked by the emotions here. Let me let me just pause, and breathe, and 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 center, and 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 acknowledge that that's happening. But then let's take a look at what was actually said. Was was that really directed towards me was that person insulting me was that you know that sort of thing um it's i think that's that's the constant journey we have to be on in order to have like better and compassionate communication with each other well and i'm a i'm a i'm a feeler right feeling is my primary like go-to and um i i feel first and then i think second like that's my... I think we all do. We, I well, think we all do that because because feelings are like we don't have to think about generating the feelings. The feelings happen. Based... I don't. I, I don't know. Like because I I can't get in somebody else's body, but like I don't think that's how Derek works. Like I really you know I really I, don't. I, I used to say that about myself. I'm a thinker and then I'm a feeler. But part of it was I was 
I was trying to be in denial of the fact of my feelings. Well, and that's true too. Like he's done a lot of work to, because for like for some people, I won't just speak about him, but like feelings aren't valid. So I had, I had put the energy into my thoughts where like all, and this is where like all feelings are valid. Like that's how you feel. But like, that doesn't mean that, that it's true. (laughs) It doesn't justify all things you do out of that. Yeah. And I like when a therapist said that to me once, she was like, just because you feel it, you're feeling it. That's real. But that doesn't mean it's true. And I was like, holy shit. Like that is that is world changing. Yeah, that's my, good. That's gold. My it is gold. It was like she I, she wasn't my favorite therapist, but she earned that one, baby. Like <laughs> and at the time I was like, screw you. Yeah, and then I was you. like, oh, yeah, no, she's right. Um, <laughs> you know. But I, I, Mike Verbiglia does this skit in one of his early uh, standups where he's talking about his now wife and that they would be getting into an argument and he would be like laying out facts. And then she would say something like, but it's how I feel. And he's like, what am I like? What, but what do you say to that? Right. Like, <laughs> what do you like? You're not supposed you to, to do with this. So I do think, I do think as I say that as a, as a primary, somebody who's very aware, like, I feel something and then I think it through, like, where is this coming from? What what happened? What brought me to this place? You know, whatever. And I have to be very careful to not just whip out, but that's how I feel because that shuts conversation down, right? Mm-hmm. And that, and I have to be careful to say, okay, this conversation is like, I'm feeling a certain way because this is what's going on in my brain or whatever, you know. It can it. almost be like the God told me like way of shutting down conversations. Like you can't argue with me because God told me. And you're like, but, you know. So in the Bible, speaking of God, in the Bible, did Jesus ever get moody? And what about God? Wow. Oh, hell yeah. These are so I kept questions. I kept trying to think of stories. I found I found like I thought of some pretty good stories. Just just today, I said to I said I was on a I was on a call, different um, like a clergy support call. You know, yeah. In Unity, a bunch of you know spinsters get together on a call and we convention about church and and process and cry and laugh and all that sort of thing. And somebody asked me about a recent uh, post that I put up when I was on Twitter and some racist dude came after me and oh i saw that yes they were asking me about that and i said and 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 one of the ministers said you know i always feel that as ministers we get this message that we always have to respond from we always got to be loving we always got to love everybody and we can't get into some kind of like argument or conflict she goes so thank you for really modeling how to how to how to converse with this person get your point across but not be like angry upset and violent and i said my she goes that's that's sometimes love is tough like that and i said my goal is to live tough love when it's needed just like jesus modeled but dial it back a little bit because jesus whipped people and he insulted them to their faces and i don't want to do that i never thought i would say my goal is to be a little less violent than jesus See, and I, I thought about that story. I thought about the temple story. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't think that was moody. I, I mean, that was yeah. a response to injustice, right? right. That was it, it, that was completely different. Where I saw Jesus get moody is like... The fig tree was a moody thing. The fig tree was moody, yeah. like curse you, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm like, hangry. you're never gonna... Where's the food? I that think, so there's a lot of hangry moments of Jesus. There really are. Mm-hmm. Like, there are a lot of hangry moments. No, I'm with you. 
Um, and then there's, I thought about the, um, <laughs> I just feel like this is particularly crash, like where um, the feeding of the 5,000 and the disciples come to him and they're like, it's getting late. Like you yeah. should let him go eat. And he was like, well, go get him some food. And I was like, whoa, Jesus, like, whoa, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Do they have five years of salary in their pockets? Here's the Snickers, and Jesus. There are Bottegas exactly. all around to buy them some food. Yeah, there were plenty of times Jesus needed a Snicker. Or, or like the wedding at Cana, right? Or he's like, woman. Right. What does woman. that have to do with me? Ugh. He had he had his moments. But I would, no. I, so I would argue the temple was the same way. I He got angry. He legit got angry, yes, by witnessing the injustice that was taking place, and he acted violently out of that anger. I don't think there's ever a time where violence is justified. That you kind know, of well, violence. but I, but I don't think that was a place trying to where save the Jesus. anger got the better of him. I think he was in full control of his faculties, and that was a performance to highlight the injustice. Right, like he didn't use a whip. I mean, he didn't take people out and whip them. Right, he, he didn't tie them to people. poles and whip them. He used a whip and turned over tables like there's so so what you're saying is whipping's only bad if the person's tied down i mean <laughs> is it bad even then that's but a anyway move. that's a move <laughs> hey yo stick around for post show <laughs> no but listen like i just i think so there's this great line in i think um, y'all trying hard to save jesus is what i'm thinking <laughs> no there's this great line in judas and the black messiah if you haven't watched it go watch Ooh. it where you know, um, and it's an, it's a quote. I don't know who they quoted, and I'm sorry for that. Um, and it's an old it's an old video. It, they're not just saying it, it; they're showing it from that period of time. And he says, "This is not a revolt. This is a revolution." Mm-hmm. Be- and and that's what I feel like what was happening in the temple at the time. Now, is that a mood? Maybe like I that to me is just something different, right? Like fighting for justice in those ways. Look different than being in a mood right or being moody is that i don't know that's the distinction i'm trying to make you know so that was an intention that maybe in the moment wasn't a planned event but there was an intention to show i think i think i think think a mood is hearkening back to last week's show (laughs) in the episode in one of the gnostic gospels where Jesus gets in trouble and a kid died and he brings and he him back to life. Yeah. He brings him back to life just so, to blame the kid. So here's who I think. I think the moodiest person in the Bible is Jonah. I think sure. Jonah is super moody. For sure. Right? Like I think Jonah's whole like, I want to be a prophet. And then like, woo, maybe not. And then I'm going to run away. And then I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And then wait, the people did what I said. And I don't like it. And I'm going to sit under this tree. And then the tree wilts. And I'm going to cry. Like, I just think Jonah's super moody. (laughs) But what about God? Is God moody in the Bible? Is that too much to say? I think, well, in the Jonah story, God is petty AF. And I'm so here for Uh, it. Jonah, all all the Moses stories, uh, the story. What is it? Is it Ezra that puts the mauled bears? Like who? Like the kids make fun of him and he sends some she bears after him? It's Elisha, I think. Elisha. Yes. Thank you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, God. Yeah. Like. I, but the I stories think, of the stories of how many times God wanted to wipe wipe the Israelites out, and Moses had to talk him back. And I, I mean, like, where was Moses at the time of Noah? Because God clearly got fed up enough to to wipe out almost everybody. So yeah, was I the think, flood I think, a mood? The, the, the I, I think the flood. 
<laughs> I think what makes the flood a mood mood is the the feeling afterwards that says, I'm I'm never gonna do that again. Yeah. Like that's how you know it was a mood. Like Jesus didn't walk away from the temple going, that was a little much, guys. I'm so sorry. Like I'll never do that again. Like no, he was like, that's that's the difference between like con the control and not control. So, but here's my thing though. I think, so the question of premeditation comes in, right? Yeah. I yeah. think if there's not a premeditation or there's not a thought of I'm going in with this, then one, then then yes, one's one subject to what comes up in that moment. Yeah. I don't know. There's no way to know because there's no writing on it, but I don't believe that Jesus went in there with that intention to to like clear the place out. I'm pretty sure it wasn't his first trip there, right? So so that must have been a, a, it was a common occurrence. Not but that's what makes me think it was intentional, right? Yeah. Like that there was some because it wasn't his first trip there. Right. Actually, I'm going to revise. I don't know who's moodier, Jonah or Paul. I'm just not sure. Ooh. They're both pretty moody. Good. Yeah, Paul had some issues for Paul sure. has some like I think Paul actually had mother issues, but that's a whole nother discussion. Barnabas, <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna put this on you, Barnabas. Right, exactly. <laughs> so the late R.C. Sproul said, "Every Christian is a theologian." Which, oof, buddy, um, the issue for Christians is not whether we are going to be theologians, but whether we are going to be good theologians or bad ones. How does one become a good theologian? Is is how one measures this simply in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, does anyone think I'm a bad I... theologian? I think you're a moody theologian. <laughs> we well, can just blame it on our mood. No, no, right? I don't mean when me. I mean, out. no one thinks of themselves as a as a bad theologian, right? Everybody assumes, well, the views I have are good views this because I so have so interesting. I, I totally disagree with the premise that every Christian is a theologian. Mm. We each have a sense of theology, like, but we're not a theologian. We didn't, we didn't study and write. So and... I was just about to say, how are you defining theologian? Because, because yeah. if the, if the, you know, the definition of theology is really the idea of matters concerning God and, and everyone can talk about it. <laughs> everyone can have their piece and their opinion. Then technically, that's what it is. But then there's theology as, to your point, like uh, like a form, like a form of education, like a, a title. Uh, you know, you because you, you can be a theologian study. and not be a Christian, right? You can be yes. a Christian theologian and not be a believer. Exactly. Like, exactly. So this so, is a. To me, this is about training and expertise and study and it's like the the, the like coffee that. mug that says I didn't get my uh masters of theology on Google. Right. Like it's the people, yes, it's the people that print that certificate off that and they're like, I'm an ordained pastor. And I'm like, There you go. No, no, you're not. You're not. Like, and I want to smack you in the face for saying that. <laughs> That's a mood. It is a mood, and it it because like right He's in like a mood it, now for sure. it triggers all those emotions. It triggers all those like, do you know how much money and how much time and like all the bullshit I put up with? Like, yes. mm -mm. but you I think just... in the in the broadest sense of theologian, one who who talks about matters concerning God in that broadest sense, yeah, every Christian, every Christian is. The problem is like, you know, everyone who's ever posted something about the pandemic on Facebook, like. Where where are you getting your information? Are you are you trained and educated enough to make definitive or even 
remotely educated statements around this issue or are you just really expressing your like you know scant opinion about the thing um yeah there's a lot of armchair theologians yeah and i and i what's that saying every uh what uh opinions and assholes are like the same everybody's got one you ever heard that saying (laughs) i have not i've heard that now i can't unhear it no thank you (laughs) but rc sproul is one of these like uh conservative uh calvinist reformed sort of types who has very precise ideas about what constitutes good theology right like so, there is there is the tenets of the reformed faith right and if you believe inside those things then you're good yeah then you're yeah. a good theologian so by his definition i wouldn't be a good theologian but i i think i'm a right you know okay you know i don't know want to say good or bad but i think i'm okay theologian and i've done a lot of work to get to where my beliefs are including in and through everything he held near and dear so it's not any lack of awareness or understanding or historical context or anything it's in fact doing all that hard work to land where i am now see i think this this like not only do i not necessarily agree with the beginning but like even the idea of there being a criteria for good or bad right Uh, yeah that that i also take issue with what i what i i don't actually think that how you measure so like wipe away good and bad for a second right i do believe there are very broad and we have we we have mentioned this numerous times on the show if not every single episode like i do think there are very broad measures for what is of god and what is not of god right and and again over and over you'll hear us say it over and over again the first of which is love and whatever that love looks like, you know? Um, and that's not anything that not like whatever love looks like, but like there are certain, you know, criteria of that. Um, yeah, and so you, I don't- you, you wouldn't shy away from saying that's just bad theology or this is the result of bad theology, right? So so this is interesting. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm doing my doctorate and I wrote a paper a couple of weeks ago and we were reading all of these like very, very early church doctrine like um you know papers and it's a it's a it's a a class on leadership and all of these papers are going on and on and on about false prophets like that is the number one topic and it's it's completely all over the bible is this idea of like beware of false prophets beware of false prophets and then they give but what's interesting in the early church documents is they literally give a criteria of like what a false prophet will look like. And I mean, some of them even to the point where they're like, if a false prophet or if a prophet's asked to stay in your town for more than two nights, then you know he's not one of us. And I'm like, whoa, Nelly, like two nights, that's nothing. Like what, what are you talking? Like nobody gets a vacation around here, but it's, but it, it actually got me. So I wrote my paper on we have shine away, we have shied away from the term false prophet, right? And we've replaced it with something like that's bad theology, right? Right. Rather than calling somebody out and saying you you are a false prophet. And so, what my professor um, asked me, he said, "Do you, I would really be interested in a conversation about um, what constitutes a false prophet versus somebody whose theology disagrees with yours." I was just about to ask that in, in, in bad theology, basically like, 
and, you don't agree and, with you don't agree with what my belief well and this is the interesting thing that's what it often believes and what i responded back was i was like i would actually really love to have that conversation mm-hmm. um this is this was a very new thought for me so i hadn't fully digested it yet but i it, it actually was kind of this question like i i kind of mentally spent about 5 minutes coming up with a criteria of love god and your neighbor basically and then there's things outside of that that is false prophecy, right? Like what false prophets, what a false prophet is, is somebody like Joel Olstein, in my opinion, right? It's not that his that he and I just agree th- th- disagree theologically. It's that the way he brings this message is wrong, right? This is not the message of Jesus. What you, what you got against Joel? Um, he signs wow. Bibles. Let's start there. Like you don't sign the Bible. You didn't write it. <laughs> Trump Listen, does that too. I, he I, signs I, Bibles. Trust me, Who I, signs a Bible? We could do a whole up, issue on Joel Olstein. I ain't speaking up for Joel. Trust me. That's not what that's not what this so is. So we what how many years ago was it that we talked about the guy who needed the fourth private jet? That's <laughs> false prophecy. Yeah. God wants me to have this fourth private. Like, come on, dude. Like, that's not even bad theology, right? So you can completely disagree with me, and yet you can still do the work of God, right? Like. I said this over and over again, when Katrina happened was my first year as in, as a solo pastor. And I served this small church in upstate New York and the mega church down the road that met in, in the old Kmart building sent a group of 20 people that week, like that week down to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we can't do that. And that's God's work right there, right? Like we we can disagree about all kinds of things, but like that doesn't make them bad in any way. Right. So that's, that's, I think that's a whole so false, thing. false prophecy. When your prophecy doesn't come true, you're a false prophet. You know, <laughs> here's, here's my end times. They didn't happen. You're out. Trump, and it, Trump, it's Trump so getting elected for a second that. term. Didn't happen. You're out. <laughs> I mean, but right. No, Isn't that's it? the thing. Right. And then all the people go crazy. Cause like it didn't happen. <laughs> right. What was it? The Bible code when we were growing up? Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> like, God, like, oh, like that's just not that's not even bad theology. Like, that's just I, I yeah. listen, I make fun of this, but I really don't understand how all those pastors who are like Trump will be elected for a second term. He wasn't. How were they still employed? Right. Because, of course, they've shifted the narrative. It either didn't happen or or now the stolen now. Now stolen. we need them more than ever because they're yes exactly we're in the we're in the we're in the time of of, of false kings and the real well and kings, the heathens are in and charge whole, and like, oh my god yeah I'm like y'all missing the boat man become become like fiction writers something right like there's some fan fiction to be had about this you could do it oh my goodness to. so anyway that's my opinion but does anybody else have a thought on that <laughs> so there's a lot actually there. the the thought is that like I don't think there's I don't think there's such a thing as good and bad theology. I think there's all theology is going to miss the mark because ultimately there's nothing any of us could say that's, that's going to fully encapture uh, 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 the, the, the full truth and reality of all that is of God. Right. So, so there's, there's just theology. There's just, this all stabs in the dark. It's all metaphor, it's, right? It's all, it's... exactly. It's all metaphor. They're ultimately going to break down. They all have some grain of truth. They all miss the mark. So it's neither good nor bad. It's yeah. just, it's just what, what is, and we get to decide what as individuals, what we align ourselves 
with? Does this theology resonate with us? Does it speak to us? And so some much. does and some don't. Oh, this is I, hard because there has been hard. What you got, there, Brian? What you got? <laughs> there's so well, much bad theology that have hurt so many people. Yes. I mean, you know, that you know, theology rooted in white supremacy or, or patriarchy or so you know, listen, they're bad people. <laughs> this is this I, is but this these is are where church I, stances. Yes. These are church doctrine, okay. church stances that have hurt people, right? Stay with your husband. I don't care how much he beats you. You right. know, that is, you are married in the eyes of God and you shall blah, blah, blah. Like that, like that is hurt. Well, you're going to burn forever and eternal conscious torment. Like, you know, that was right. like a core tenant of my beliefs growing up. And now I think Yeah, and how much trouble did it keep you out of? That's damaging and bad theology. I it might've done the opposite, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I might've been like, because 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 there was no attaining the level of perfection right. that they expected so a lot of us myself included went fuck it so so to that <laughs> so to that to that point yes there is uh so maybe maybe my issue is, is with the words good or bad so yes there's there's, there's uplifting theology and there's harmful theology yeah i think that that's right because it's not that there's no way to, it's not that everything is equally valid it's just what you prefer right because there's real consequences in the world and there's like just like things that are consistent or not consistent within you know uh, certain frameworks of reading ancient scripture and historical understandings and some stuff is just plain nuts like you know and it's Michael not that Curry. it's all equally valid it's just whether you like it or not it's well, got to be there's got to be levels of criteria somewhere yes. and, and, and i think and i think the the one criteria back to what shanna said earlier is is is, is this theology supporting love is this is this theology well and is this love? theology supporting the love of we not right. just the love of me which is yeah. the way michael curry puts it in his new book Ooh, love is the way I think he just earned is, a second beer with that one i'm opening it right now <laughs> um if you haven't read love is the way so good and you need to read it like i literally want to preach every bit of it to Ooh. everybody ever so just read the book and if you like audiobooks he reads it phenomenally so um listen to it but but he 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 talks about first corinthians 13 actually and he says like basically what paul is saying that love is is it, it's about we not about me and like that's the criteria ultimately for me is is the love about you know the betterment of the community not just because again i've said this over and over again right English translations of scripture are terrible because you we right. think means me when right. it means all y'all, right? Not just y'all, yeah. but like all y'all, like right. everybody. Yep. So it's so much more inclusive. So help me to say this. And Anna Anata. Anata. Anata sure. refers yeah. to the central Bu Bu Buddhist doctrine that there is in humans no permanent underlying substance that can be called the soul. It is also described as the doctrine of the non-self, mm -hmm. the Buddhist denial of any soul or self is what distinguishes Buddhism from major religions of the world, such as Christianity and Hinduism. Although there has been a historic debate within Buddhism as to whether the Buddha actually taught or agreed with this view, how would a doctrine of non-self work? There you go. I and think how do you get Buddhism to rhyme with Judaism? Buddhism. 
I think after saying the word bootyism, you don't need that second beer. <laughs> I did not even know I said bootyism. <laughs> That's something else. Think. A little bootyism. By the way, that was a whole lot of words. Like that was a whole lot of. You should have like, seen the original I, so version of that question was about twice as long, and I I worked to get that thing shorter, and I know it was still to, too dense. You have to understand that I'm still com- like I'm still as I'm reading, going, "What the fuck is this saying?" <laughs> like, <laughs> it never helps. Because I've I've read it three times before we came on the show, you, and I you, still don't understand what it's saying. Are you question blaming? Is that what? Is that what's um, it's right? not great. It's not our best work. I mean, in fact, I was reading it, going, "Oh, I should have suggested we skip this." One. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna no, suggest was I read it, but it was more fun to have you read it. Listen, yes. I that is, that actually <laughs> any of that slip up has absolutely nothing to do with the beer. That is just all <laughs> Shannon right there. That is all Shannon all the time. And I'm not like, sure I don't even understand the concept or the question. So, 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 so okay, my, maybe my, Ogan, Ogan, you start. So my understanding of the doctrine of the non-self is, is that there's, there's no distinction that we have at the soul level. It's like, we're just all part of the one consciousness. Yeah. And that what we do as humans is that we invent the idea that, that there is an individual us, um, at, at, at the deep level and and that's the that contributes to our suffering because then it's all about me everything is happening to me you know as Shannon said earlier uh, me instead of we right it becomes the individual instead of collective and we're trying to make our way so so the doctrine of the non-self reminds us that there's there is there is ultimately no me it's just we're all part of the one when we harm ourselves, we harm others. When we harm others, we harm ourselves. That's there. There is no self. So, in that respect, then uh-huh. the doctrine of I think non-self, when it comes to that, is is realizing that again we are all connected. There's there is only oneness, mm-hmm. and and if we can remember that when stuff happens in our life and stuff comes up for us, then we don't get hijacked by an emotional response that says i was harmed i was hurt i was attacked mm. so that's how that's how so feels like that could be easily abused it it does it also oh, it can be but that's because the abuser doesn't believe in the doctrine of nonsense right but i so there's also writing on this about how the con- the doctrine of original sin is actually something that happens within each of us when we are, when we self-realize, like when we're two, three years old and say mind, right? right? When we, when we have that moment that that is, that is the closest thing that I have under, that I've come to, to understanding that doctrine. And it wasn't even myself, right? It was watching my kids do that of this complete interdependence that they had. And then all of a sudden, like, that's my toy. Mom right? said, that's you sinner. Toy. That's my food. Exactly. And I was like, there's the fall. It's done. We're done. You know, <laughs> you no. that's, that's, that's when real parenting begins. That's right. the point. <laughs> and you're like, you stupid. No. And I mean, but that, but that's this, it's a very similar idea, right? Children that, like, in the hands of an angry mom. But see, that's, wow. that's the moment when you say to your kid, <laughs> no, that's ours. <laughs> Well, but, but, you know, and again, you, you, what you realize in that moment is like, you've actually brought them to that moment. Oh, of course. Right. Right. You, you're the one that taught them 
autonomy. You're the one that like, and that's actually encouraged yeah. that we teach the, them that. You're the one who snatched the cell phone and said, no, that's mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, no, mine. <laughs> that's mommy's drink. Mm, but you exactly. need to have a, <laughs> you need to have a concept of autonomy to function in the world. Right. So it, it's true. Well, yes, it, yes and no. Yes. There, there's a sense of, there is that sense of autonomy, but it's, it's a, it's an illusion to a point. Right. This the uh, that's that's the point. This doctor. I think the point is right. Is that a is that a requirement of society or is that truly the way? We, exactly. Right. That that's the question you're right. asking. Or that's how we the function in the world, but this is not the reality. And where I where I differ from that is the even the scientific makeup of there's only one. Right. Like we are each genuinely unique, even scientifically, or nobody can get inside my head really right? Nobody has the exact same pattern of thought or, you know, so it's not that I'm necessarily discounting this view. I just like, these are all the questions I have about it, yeah. right? Like, yeah. well, what I do mean, you do with this and how do you deal with that? I, I think there's but a our real- uniqueness doesn't, again, take away, sorry, go ahead, Brian. I've got a Brian. little lag here. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, I think there's a real positive element to it the the whole collective notion and that you know what i do is connected to everyone else and that i'm part of something uh much larger than just me uh, i think a, a way it could be abused is um not taking individual responsibility like hey i'm just part of this huge thing and you know if who's to say i did it you maybe you did it because we're all part of the same thing so i could see like uh notions of responsibility sort of being abused with a misunderstanding of this view. But but you're not wrong. There's 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 always a we. There's like if someone so you know, let's 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 look at the whole mess at the Capitol, right? There were individuals, one could argue, who broke in and into the Capitol. But they didn't just suddenly randomly wake up one morning to decide to do that. There was a collective yeah. energy that got them to that point that was fueled yeah. again not like it wasn't just donald trump that got folks to that point right there was there was a whole sense of collective uh uh energy and angst and got them there and an agreement that got that allowed it to happen yeah. you know by certain parties there there is no i there is no me there is there is some collective always everywhere um, the, well, and that's we got to acknowledge that, and if we don't yeah. acknowledge that, nothing will ever change. There's the famous um, incident of the bystander of Thomas Merton, right, where he goes to downtown Louisville and he has this moment where he yeah. realizes everyone is his, you know, brother and sister and sibling, and that they're all connected. And it's also the the experience that Malcolm X had when he goes to Mecca, right? He has mm -hmm. this huge transformational experience of, wait, uh, you know, the nonviolent movement isn't against, uh, like we're all fighting for the same thing and we need right. to work together. And I mean, so I, I think one of the things that's appealing about this is that sense of, of togetherness, is that sense of collective unconscious, the way that Young puts it or whatever, like that, that we all have I just wouldn't go that far to say there's no self. And I and I agree with Brian. I think that actually might be a dangerous thing to say. Um, so there is, I would argue that there is a psychological self, the, mm -hmm. that sense of autonomy that 
that that personality uniqueness that you talked about, Shannon. Yeah. I'm I'm Ogan. You're Shannon. You're Brian. Like on that on that, on that like walking in the in the real world. There's no Freaky Friday situations right. exactly, happening. Exactly right. So, <laughs> but is so, that an so, illusion? So that's Ogan. that's a that's an objective. So it is. So it's a paradox. Like that exists, and at the same time, there there is that 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 oneness essence right but but where we get into trouble is when we believe that that our uniqueness equals that our our self or or innate selfhood at the soul level i think that's that's where we we get into trouble in in realizing that we make we make the we make the 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 in the the surface level in real life personality uniqueness thing we make that into the reality of us at at the soul level. So, so you know, the quote says it distinguishes Buddhism from major religions of the world, such as Christianity and Hinduism. I believe that when Jesus said the Father and I in one, I believe this is what he was alluding to mm. that that right. there is no distinction between myself at the soul level and the all that is that is God. And it's not just Jesus and God; it's every one of us and God. That that there's, that's what there is. There, there's because he includes no others in that in, statement. Yeah. Right. There's no uniqueness and in individuality at that level, and that's the ultimate truth. I think what Buddhism speaks to is that being the ultimate truth. But when we forget that and we think the the, the meanness, the not the meanness, the me, me. versus you yeah. on the yeah. surface level is the only truth then it becomes, how can I benefit me more than I can benefit you? Or how can, even if I help you, it can't come at the expense of me. But did you see the Disney movie Soul where there's you know, all these listen, pre-existing individual souls, you know, who yeah, all got have a, their unique identity? That <laughs> What's that? I got a lot of issues with that yeah, movie. Yeah, we can get you and Derek on and you can talk about the issues we should, with Soul. We should have a show just about that. It yeah. was fun though. It was a, listen, it was a great movie on a lot of levels. The, I love the messages of the movie. I love, my favorite move part, point in that movie was after the dude gives the performance of his life and he walks out and is like, what now? Will we do this again tomorrow? He's like, wait, that was it, right? <laughs> yeah. that, that, that realization. Yes. <laughs> We right? just do it over and over again. <laughs> that, that, for me, that was the. It's but, really just Groundhog's Day, is what. Seriously, it is. <laughs> right? This is your life. But but like the, both on theological and like like racial issues, I got a, I got a lot of I got a yeah. lot of thoughts around it that I came to after a while because afterwards I was like that was a great movie, and then after a while I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> yes, I've like, thought about it for a while. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So you let's know. let's to wrap up. Let's end on a cheery note, shall we? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I can't help myself sometimes. It's, it's uh, grief. Grief is a terrible thing. Um, over 500,000, we've hit the number. People have now died in the United States due to COVID-19. How does this news impact you? And should churches acknowledge this in some way? Um, I think we should acknowledge it from the point of view of honoring the mood to mood and emotion, yeah. the collective grief yeah. that we're all feeling, whether we are aware of it or not. Acknowledge the sadness, acknowledge the anger that some of us might feel that so many of these deaths could be prevented, could have been preventable if this whole thing wasn't politicized uh, from the beginning. Like, like be 
how, how do we raise the question of still loving our neighbor, even if our neighbor is a jackass who still wants to walk around without a mask and be in our face while he's doing it? Like, or, or you so want to help your neighbor and you can't because nobody can leave too. their house and right. there's, you, there's, it's not safe to bring them food. And, Ugh. you know, you're so dead. I mean, that's where I am and my people are. Like, I'm obsessive about getting people vaccine appointments because I can literally do nothing else. Right, you know, right. that's all I can do to serve right now. Um, I need to, and I really do need to do this. Like I need to put a post-it note up at my desk and my mirror in my bathroom, like whatever. That's like, it's really okay that you're feeling this way. You don't need a reason other than, right. Yep. Other than we're hitting the year mark. 500,000 people are dead. You're exhausted. Like you don't need a reason. Like, cause you know, th- if you're an introspective person, you're walking around, I'm walking around really almost constantly going like, nothing's happened. Like nothing happened today. Why am I feeling like this? What's going on? Like, exactly. why, why am I so upset? You know? Yeah. And just having to stop and be like, Oh my God, because you are, and you have every right to be. Yeah. Yep. So we are, I, I really, I'm really still considering it. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I I'm really considering whether or not, you know, do you do a special service kind of thing? Um, I don't know that I'll go necessarily that far, but we we have a weekly check-in. So I think next week would be the year uh, closest to the year. Um, no, sorry, two weeks would be closest to the year mark. Um, and to have on that check-in, like a set aside time. Um, we're also setting aside, I mean, it's on social media, but I think that's okay too. Um, this, you know, like sharing stories like, okay, we've hit this number. This is a safe space to like share stories about someone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually think that may be the most profound thing is to give a space to talk about the people that, you know, even if you just, even if they're French people, you knew, right. Just to be able to name them and yeah. say, you know, her smile, I really loved her smile, just period, you know, like you don't have to say anything else. Um, that, but yeah, I actually think this is this is the place for us to say to do something, to say something, to acknowledge this. Luckily, yeah. we now have an administration that's doing that. Yeah. But yes, you know, it's also our place. For so Brian, sure. what were you yeah. going to say? Uh, yeah, we probably won't do like a special thing, but we'll probably have a moment this coming Sunday where we just take some time and maybe have some silence and and maybe you know a moment just to acknowledge the loss in some in some way. What's unfortunate because we're in the middle of Lent, we're doing a series. If we weren't doing a series right now, I think I would have spent a Sunday on it. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm sure you can work it in somehow because I mean, you know, there's there's that question of 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 depending on how you view Lent, interpret Lent or teach it Lent, the idea of 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 you know going or let me put it this way how unity pre- predominantly teaches lent is this idea of going within to discern what can we release what can we let go what you know sacrifice in that way to have a fuller experience of god right so mm-hmm. so what what about getting to this mark in the past year of giving up so much and the feelings that that has arisen from that can 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 we look at or discern 
of releasing so that we can fully experience it because I, I yeah I know a lot a lot of people because of all what we've happened in the last year have felt less holy less connected to God less connected to each other less less spiritual because of the despair that they've been in so and and this isn't helping <laughs> like you know 500,000 that's just piling no, right. on so what 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 is it that we can ask and and again, in a normal, in a normal, like we're doing a special series on the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. And so it's five weeks and it's divided up and there are interviews and there's, it's just, it's just a different thing, but really like Monday, Thursday, good Friday, like a Holy week thing would be perfect for this, but even just, even just setting aside the week after Easter, right. Even that text is appropriate for it but we're, we're just we're not doing lectionary like we're just kind of completely we've thrown it all up in the air and see what's coming down but it's it's actually a pretty phenomenal series to be honest it's great um but i don't know i i really i'm struggling because how we do these things is we gather together that's how mm -hmm. we grieve together and it just doesn't it doesn't feel the same but that doesn't mean that mean what that means to me is that I need to push through that uncomfortableness and provide the space anyway. Yeah. So I just need to figure out what how that's right for us. That's all. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. But uh, by the way, how does like my brain? I've said this over and over again. I really just cannot comprehend this. Like yeah. I'm feeling it. Like I'm I'm walking around with it. I'm carrying it like a backpack. But I, my, I just literally can't and comprehend the, it. And the bigger the number gets, the less comprehensible the, it is. Exactly. <laughs> One, like my mind, I, and I don't think we're supposed to, right? Like right. this is more than both world wars and Vietnam put together, right? Like, yeah. Oh, that, that's like what my mind, me, like, we, we are God. not built to, to understand tragedy on this level. So, <laughs> I think I think for me what hit me yesterday with that number was was suddenly real like I knew this I knew this before intellectually but somehow this number like when you hit these milestone numbers this is almost twice the population of Barbados like Barbados has mm -hmm. like 200 and, sorry uh yeah 280,000 or something like that um, oh yeah this yeah. so like this is my country and then some wiped out and I think for yeah. like that really hit home yesterday when we hit yes. this number and like it, it pulled me down into like a serious funk about yeah. about this like and and for the first time I think I could really get a handle on what that meant and I'm having images of like like you know, showing up at on flying into Barbados, land in Barbados, and there's nobody there because everybody's no wiped out. Like and that, then, that that sort of imagery yeah. kind of kind of made it begin to understand what's happening. And at this point, but but to flip it to more good news, not good news, but like you know, we we reached a point where almost like everyone knew knew somebody or knew of somebody. Who had COVID, lost a loved one, COVID, whatever. Now we're getting to the point where I think most people report, I know someone or know someone who knows someone who's gotten the vaccine. So so now we're at this point where it's be it's it's the beginning of the turn and beginning of a hope that cases are dropping after the after the holiday surges. So there's a beginning, a little beginning of the light 
at the end of the tunnel yeah. and i think we're clear it's not a train coming so like there's that but at the same point in time it's tough to feel the 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 optimism of that when you hit this number yes not only when you hit this number but this is the biggest number in the world when it comes right. to country deaths and like what is the next closest count and in like in the 200 and something thousands i gotta look it up it's well, a massive overkill of and you know what hit me yeah. I think that's a great analogy, but like, of like, like flying into Barbados and nobody's being there, you know, but one of the, I think there's, for me, um, it's survivor's guilt in the sense of, it's not that I don't know somebody or know somebody who knows somebody. It's that there's this idea that we will return to some sort of life and that life will go on. Mm-hmm. Like, and how can that be when there's this many people dead? Like, I, I think no that's it. Yeah. There's no, I mean, I think for me, no though, there's this stuff. like, no, 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 no. There's no, I, I don't understand how we can continue, continue to function after losing this many people. Oh, some of us are going to try, trust me. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, I, I, but you, like, that's the thing that I know what you mean. Like, time. do we, do we go on and just like pretend like life is normal or do we, you know, it's like you can, you can find yourself like looking forward to like we were talking pre-show about like tuning into March Madness. Like, do you feel bad that you're finding joy in something simple when you know there's this ongoing tragedy? So that's the journey of grief, right? The journey of grief is you you have to carry on life. You don't have a choice. Life. I'm great at survivor skill. Like it is such a skill of mine. It really, like, (laughs) I am so good at it. But but part of part of that is is how do we understand grief and yeah. and and grief isn't something we feel and stop and and we shouldn't feel guilty for 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 feeling back to emotions and moods feeling the joy of things after there's been tragedy we can hold both things at the same time we we kind of we get in this whole dichotomy thing it's got to be one or the other we can do both we can walk with the sadness of grief com- as a, as a companion and still enjoy the joy of moments that that life brings us and sometimes those joyful moments will trigger the grief and that's okay too so i just looked it up uh the next closest country in terms of death come to us is brazil at at approaching 250,000 of course it's like, brazil like like we've lapped brazil <laughs> and it's it's just insane it is insane I, and unbelievable and yeah. and and again i am working with truly working with not being enraged by the yeah. fact that it yeah. didn't have to be this and there's still people to this day and i i struggle i actually i think this is um maybe something we like put a pin in and come back to actually cuz i think there's two directions in that one is it didn't have to be this high it didn't have to be this way but there was always going to be some big number right it didn't it didn't oh, yeah. have to be this big number right. but like this really is even the countries that did this really well are still dealing with yeah. a, a huge loss yeah um and then so, the other question i think i have is for a later show is kind of this h- how are we going to memorialize this not just what are we doing right now but like right churches are going to be asking this question of like or even as a nation or as a world like how are we going to memorialize this kind of thing i think about my my grandmother died in january 97 and she never got over the great depression like she lived with that her whole like we're never going to get over this so how are we going to like do our work and not you know hoard food in our guest bedroom or whatever you know the uh 
So I've, I've been last couple of weeks and weekends. I've been watching the Australian Open tennis. There's another fun sport to get involved. Oh my in. gosh, people in Australia going to restaurants and like being all unmasked. Well, and I'm like, there's that, but <laughs> but here's but no no yes and no. Actually, New Zealand, not so much Australia. But 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 in Australia, yeah. So the so the Australia Open started and people are in the stands. They're like, you know, mostly masked. It's live, you know, the players in front of live people and it's great. It's awesome. And then a few days in, in the city of Melbourne, they decided basically we're going to have a lockdown. Like this was a pre-scheduled lockdown for five days in the middle of this tournament. Nobody objected. Everybody stayed home for five days. All of a sudden the stadiums and auditoriums are empty. And people are like, this is what we have to do after five days everybody came back out the final was like almost to a packed house you know how many people have died of covid in australia so far they haven't even hit the 1000 market 909 deaths are you serious i am serious yes yeah yeah right because that's how well they've done it they because there is that back to the thing shannon said there is the collective idea of we there's an understanding of we you're absolutely right that's putting me in a mood i know (laughs) right right (laughs) Right. But 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 my thing is like because people get this, the government can say, all right, we locking down for five days to, to, to whatever little bump or to prevent a bump or a surge. This is what we're doing. Everybody's like, all right, we get that. We yeah. get that we have to sacrifice for five days so that then we yes. can show up five days later in person at an amazing final, an amazing event. And we're That's, gonna do that. And we again, don't have like, that I, wire in here. <laughs> I know we need to land this plane, but like that's the hard part for me of like going, we could be out of this. Like we could be right. Like we could be better. And I don't know. I, I get my second shot in a week and a half and my life will not change. Like it will be the same. I was Googling yesterday, uh, our clergy essential workers in Michigan. How can I bump (laughs) up on the list? And alas, nope. Oh, yeah, Maryland so, moved us to one C. We're in the we're in phase one. In in nice. Massachusetts, what they did, what they what they said is, you know, we're still at the uh, seventy five or older. I think we just hit the sixty five or older. But if you if you are bringing in someone, if you're younger, yeah, and you're bringing in someone who's in that range because like they're an older relative and you scored them, you get the shot too. Is that yeah. like a hop on? So pr- it, pretty well, much. it's happening here in Maryland too, and right? it's often so like, like parents care. Which of my con- which of my congregants need to go get the shot? Like, can I can I walk can I drive you? Shot? Like, or can I meet you, you there in the parking lot? Exactly. Well, and I I actually you know anyway that's a longer story. No, we we are we are in phase one. We clergy got put. It, we weren't always, but we did get moved up. But Maryland's like forty seventh in this country for like. We are so disorganized, which we are getting organized. But um, but the NFL opened up like they offered every um, stadium for testing or for um, vaccinations. vaccinations. Nice. So they just opened up MNT Stadium, and they did a week of um, like 500 people a day, and then next week they're going to 2,500 people a day. So. Yeah. And Six Flags opened up, so it's doing like a couple thousand people a day. So our numbers are like climbing astronomically. That's, that's where Ava and her mom got vaccinated last yeah. week. They went to Six Flags. Her mom's in the age category. Ava's a teacher or working for the school system, rather, not a yeah, teacher. Yeah, so they're 1B. Yeah. Right. So she was like, all right, we got to get you vaccinated. I can get vaccinated. I'm like, listen, 
that sorry i'm i'm like i'm like down the line all you gotta do is get that maryland driver's license and you're in baby that's what i'm saying (laughs) and it was like it was like can you switch your residency now (laughs) right like what's wrong with that you know, there but you I got said, an listen, address. I'm pretty much just hanging out with the two of y'all and y'all vaccinated. So I think, I, I think I'll be all right. You're risking them. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's a whole nother discussion. Why don't we, why don't, again, let's land the plane. Land the plane. And not like that plane that lost the engine. Did y'all see that video? Oh my God. I saw that video. I was like, no, thank <laughs> I, you. I don't want to get on a plane after that. Wow. Holy oh, cow. <laughs> we'll try to land more safely. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to extended interviews with special guests, pre- and post-show banter, and more. Visit patreon.com slash ptlive to get started. And, of course, a big thank you to our current patrons. You can listen to our show anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. You can subscribe, become a subscriber, give us a rating uh, on those places that helps more people find the show. You can watch us live on Tuesdays on Facebook, uh, 4.45 p.m. Eastern. And if you'd like to find or start a conversation group of your own, visit pubtheology.com. Until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. listen it's the weirdest thing we do is we take like who takes their family to work day every week like nobody does that you know, you know yes <laughs> when when i was first a pastor uh and we were up north like once in a while christy's family like her brothers their families and her mom and dad it's, it was a vacation town so they'd come up for a weekend and we'd all stay at a hotel and the kids would swim and this was usually in the winter and then they'd all want to show up at my church on sunday morning and i'm like i don't show up to their classroom or their office and watch them and then give opinions on it i'm like why why am i in this job right this isn't worth it like nobody goes to lunch on sunday afternoon nobody else goes to lunch and it was like well i thought i thought it was okay yeah you know like nobody nobody kind of dropped it all in that presentation yeah. Oh. oh my God. And, and, and the way to get out of it with extended families just become a heretic, and then they'll just never show up.